Hello, Strange Stories UK here again, episode 22. Again, apologies for the low-fi production and the coughs and gaps in the recording. Dogs have been put outside, so I'm hoping that they won't make any contribution as they have done in the past. If you have any comment, please do so on the Strange Stories UK Facebook site or on the Twitter or Instagram sites of the same name. Today's story concentrates on some cases in London during the past 20 years that have focused on the allegations of witchcraft in the communities of African origin and have had some tragic consequences. So it's called Witchcraft, Human Sacrifice and Child Trafficking in London Today. In the days after 9-11, 2001, the newspapers were still full of the Al-Qaeda attack on the Twin Towers, crowding out a lot of other news from the media. On the 21st of September 2001, a torso was discovered floating in the River Thames in, the Lon- in London near Tower Bridge. It was a torso of a young boy, a young black boy, thought to be between 5 and 10 years in age, wearing orange shorts. It was a discovery that would cause an investigation that would take years in trying to identify the body and lead police in finding out about the hidden world of African witchcraft, human sacrifice and child trafficking. The torso was given the name Adam by the police, who wanted to keep the remains and give the remains an identity to keep his presence in the media so they may be given some information by the public at some later time. The torso was wearing a pair of orange shorts made by Kids & Co, sold only by Woolworths in Germany and Austria, and only 800 pairs had been manufactured. A post-mortem revealed that Adam's throat had been precisely cut and the body drained of blood. The injuries looked ritualistic. A South African pathologist, Dr Hendrik Schultz, examined the body and thought the body may have been murdered and dismembered for Muti. Muti is a South African traditional medicine whereby plant and animal parts are used. In extreme cases, people are murdered for their body parts. These are known as Muti killings or medicine killings. To give an example, the heart is dried and made into a powder and mixed with herbs, then made into a potion for use to treat ailments to do with the heart. Body parts are often taken while the victim is still alive as it's thought these parts get greater power from the victim's screams. Children's body parts are most sought after, as these are considered luckier. A British expert on African religious practices, Richard Hoskins, gave an alternative theory. He thought it more likely that it was not a mooty killing, because powerful medicinal body parts such as internal organs and the genitals had not been removed and also too much precision had been used to remove the limbs, whereas in Muti they would just be chopped off and all the internal organs taken. Hoskins thought that it was more likely to be a sacrifice killing. The police codenamed the Hunt for Adam's killers as Operation Swalcliffe. Expert opinion thought the killers would have come from the same tribe or ethnic group as Adam had. Adam had been circumcised, he was thought to be of African descent. Different African groups circumcised their young men at different stages in life. Many tribes, such as the 
South African and Eastern African tribes practice circumcision at puberty. As Adam had not reached puberty, this ruled out the, the Kosa, the Zulu and the Maasai tribes, and therefore ruled out the main areas which see most Muti killings. Further examination of Adam showed that his stomach and upper intestine were in- empty, indicating he had not eaten for some time. His lower intestine contained some intermediate material. This material later being identified as clay and bone, with no nutritional value. These were examined by a British scientist called Ken Pai, who used isotopic methods, which made it possible to determine the levels of various elements making it theoretically possible to match the ingredients to an exact location. Isotopic databases existed for most Western countries, but information was scant for other countries. Fortunately, information on isotope existed which matched the geological composition of West Africa, and in particular, Nigeria. Tests indicated that the material had come from the Yoruba Plateau, the clay pellets had come from a riverbed or lake margin from this area in Nigeria. These particles were thought to be some sort of concoction or preparation Adam was forced to swallow, which was helped down with cough mixture. Hoskins suspected it was part of a ritual enacted before a sacrifice. It was thought that the young child may have been sacrificed to bring good luck. The important aspect of such a sacrifice was the blood and the blood transferred the power. Blood would have been daubed over effigies of the deities concerned. Those involved may even have drunk blood out of the severed skull. Information later indicated that Adam had been brought to London from Nigeria and kept in London between a few days and a few weeks. If the ingredients found in Adam's body had been a ritual potion, given to a sacrificial victim... These would have been given to the victim typically 24 to 48 hours before they were killed. A black gritty mess helped down with cough medicine. The sacrifice would be to some deity or god. Different deities were offered different offerings. The bones could have come from a creature according to the deity's preference. Adam's bone analysis later proved that he had been brought up in Benin City, Yoruba land. Nigeria. The city, the city of Benin is considered to be the home of voodoo, where it's recognised as an official religion. It's a way of life for the majority of the Benin people, and animal sacrifices and the use of herbs and plants for healing are widely, pra- widely practised within the religion, and sacrifice has largely been given to gain a connection with the spirit world, or seek protection from a threat, or some kind of concern. In Yoruba land, potions are prepared by traditional healers. After cooking them in a small pot over a fire for a few hours, in Nigeria these healers are known as babaluas. It can take many years to train as a babalua. Apprentices assigned to senior babaluas would spend much time in the depths of the rainforest learning the properties of plants and animals, often concentrating on just one species or variety. Officially, human sacrifice is banned throughout Africa, but animal sacrifice is common, especially in the sorcery known as juju in West Africa. 
Human sacrifice almost certainly persists in part of West Africa. One of these areas being the Yoruba area in Nigeria. Nigeria has the largest population in, uh, in a, for an African country, approaching 200 million people. It's normally split into different areas. In the West, the Yorubans dominate and have a number of different religions, Christian, Islam and traditional religions. There are about 90 million Yorubans worldwide, with about 30 million living in Nigeria, where they are dominant in society, providing many of Nigeria's politicians and business leaders. Yorubans can take any religion, but many follow the traditional religion, a complex religious belief system. There's a god called Oloron, and a number of minor deities called Orishas, who act as a bridge from this world to the world of Oloron. Each of these Orishas have their own favourite colours, foods, drinks, plants, animals and so on. All the Orishas require sacrifice. There is some evidence that human sacrifice is still practised in some Yoruban cults. The sacrificial victim will be forced to drink a potion before the ritual, and as mentioned, the potion will be specific in its makeup depending on the deity involved. Yoruba males are circumcised soon after birth, as had the body of Adam. Eight months later, although the police were no closer to finding those responsible for the murder, they were confident that it was almost certain that Adam had come from Benin City, Nigeria. He'd only spent a short time in the UK before he was sacrificed. However, the police were no closer solving the crime and had no suspects. They suspected Adam had been brought to the UK to be sacrificed to one of the deities of West Africa as those <clears throat> responsible felt they needed power for something that they were working on. The colour of shorts being an orangey-red and water were both perhaps significant for the deity. It was later suggested that Adam had been sacrificed to give good luck to a people operation, a people trafficking operation, but this remains conjecture. Then the police got a break in the case, a call from a colleague in Glasgow, Glasgow in Scotland, led them to a woman from Nigeria called Joyce Osagiedi. She had been at a social care hearing for her daughters, Jacqueline and Precious, as social workers were concerned for their welfare. Joyce had argued at the meeting that she needed her children back with her as she was a member of a cult and she needed the girls for a ritual ceremony that night, otherwise there would be terrible consequences. The social worker on her case told police that Joyce was likely a member of a cult and there were artefacts and medicines at her flat that implied this. It seems that Joyce had presented herself at Croydon Immigration Offices, South London, in November 2001, claiming asylum. She had been in the country for some time, and she claimed to be from Sierra Leone, as many Nigerians do as they think that it will help their asylum claim. Immigration had sent Joyce to Glasgow as part of the policy of spreading asylum seekers around the country. The police raided Joyce's flat during July, July 2002, smashing the door in. Joyce was arrested in connection with the murder of a young boy called Adam and was brought to London for questioning. Among Joyce's belongings were children's clothing marked Kids & Co, the unusual clothing worn by Adam 
suggesting that Joyce had supplied the orange shorts found on Adam's torso. Under questioning by immigration officials, Joyce admitted living in Benin City in Nigeria. And in the mid-1990s, she was married to a prominent member of a cult called Sam Samuel Onachayovi, also known as Tony Onus. The cult was called the Black Coat Eyes of the Devil Guru Maharaj. Joyce went on to claim that Tony Onus had taken part in a number of human sacrifices, including her own infant son, who was sacrificed in 1995. Joyce claimed Tony had sacrificed 10 people in Nigeria during 1995, and she got so scared of him and suspected he wanted to sacrifice her daughters, aged at that time six and four, so she fled to England to escape him. Then Joyce denied everything that she'd said, saying she'd never been to Germany, that she'd arrived in the UK direct from Lagos. She knew nothing about clothes or rituals or anything else that she had previously told the police. Richard Hoskins had been researching the Black Coat Eyes cult for the police through his contacts in Nigeria. He discovered that the Black Coat Eyes of the Devil Guru Maharaja was a Nigerian sect led by a Reuben called Mohammed Saib. The sect had basically stolen the name Guru Maharaj, from another religious sect called the Divine Light Mission, Elon Vitel, founded in India in 1960. Sayab also calls this sect the One Love Family and referred to himself as the Guru Black Jesus, or Perfect Living Master, before changing the cult's name to the Black Coat Eyes of the Devil Guru Maharaj. The sacred colour used by the sect was orange-red. Saeb drove a Mercedes sprayed orange-red. And the sect had 29 ashrams, sort of cult compounds, all around Nigeria in the major cities. The sect was rich, powerful, and had been accused of torture and murder. Police were continuing to investigate Joyce and searched two addresses in London, which she seemed to have a connection with. The first address was in Lewisham, South London, occupied by a woman from West Africa. Police finding forged travel documents, Nigerian and British passports, one being for Joyce herself, giving a different name, Omobiam Joyce Ehiberi, giving a date of birth of the 14th of June 1971. There was also a video showing the video of Joyce Ehi Berry and Samuel Onachi Ovi, dated February 1997, featured a goat being sacrificed at the wedding. There were also bones found buried in the garden with a machete. Onachi Ovi's name was put through the Europol database to reveal he was a wanted man in Germany. Being known there is Ibrahim Kadadi for trafficking illegal immigrants. He had been sentenced in his absence for seven years in jail. The German police said that Joyce had been known as Bintu Kadadi and her daughters were known as Esther and S.A.M. Her first son was reported as being born dead in 1995. The girls were born in 97 and 99. 
At the same time, in December 2002, police visited the other address connected to Joyce and discovered a Kingsley Ojo lived there, although he had fled before the police arrived, never to return. Investigations suffered a setback a week later when the immigration authorities decided that Joyce should be deported. She was placed at North Holt Detention Centre and flown back to Nigeria in an executive jet. The police were disappointed as Joyce provided a strong lead in trying to find the killers or killer of Adam. Kingsley Ojo was soon found and arrested, but he denied everything. He claimed that nothing found at the flat had anything to do with him. He claimed he did not know Joyce or why her number was in his phone. He denied everything. And when faced with an obvious fact, he just fell silent. Ojo was a Yoruban, originally from Benin City. The police decided not to arrest Ojo on immigration charges, but to release him with a caution. Operation Maxim was launched by the police during January 2003. It was a people trafficking surveillance unit used to end student visa immigration scams, thought to have helped around a thousand people enter the UK illegally. It also targeted sex trafficking and related issues. Ojo was a person of interest to this inquiry and his phones, flat and car were all bugged. Ojo behaved with such indiscretion he felt that he was untouchable, protected. There was another breakthrough when Sam's first husband, on a Jehovi, was attracted to Dublin, again having changed his name and having a new wife who arrived pregnant illegally from Nigeria. A loophole in the Irish immigration law allowed Samuel Onahijovi to join her under a false identity. The British police were tempted to make an arrest but decided to maintain the surveillance. In February 2003, a small police team went to Benin City to search for Adam's relations and hopefully question Joyce. They had help from two Nigerian officers who joined their team. The police managed to track down Joyce and re-arrest her. Joyce admitted to being a member of the <clears throat> Guru Maharaj cult from 1994 to 2000, but claimed to have left. And she left it due to too much evil, as she put it. She said the cult was involved in juju and black sorcery, but was too frightened to give details. Joyce said that the cult had members in Germany and London, and that her husband, Sam, was a messiah in the cult and had been involved in the murder of children. At first she denied knowing anything about Adam, but then said he was killed in Lewisham. The parents had been brainwashed to allow this to happen. Although Joyce admitted to owning Kids & Co. orange shorts, she could not explain how Adam had been wearing them. Joyce was released by the Nigerian authorities. In June 2003, the police broke down the door of Sam Onachi Ovi's flat in Dublin and arrested him and his wife. He denied everything. Kingsley Ojo's contact details were found in his diary, but he claimed not to know him. <clears throat> in late June, a series of dawn raids at nine addresses in London were carried out. 
21 people were arrested, 10 men and 11 women, on suspicion of people trafficking, immigration and passport offences. 19 of those people had direct links with Benin City. Kingsley Ojo was arrested at the same time at an underage brothel in Brasilia, Italy. This was a transport depot for juveniles being smuggled into Europe, some of them being forced to work as sex slaves in the brothel. Ojo was flown into London to be questioned. The trafficking was connected to Adam, the Adam investigation, as it was thought that Adam arrived via this criminal network, bringing people from mainland Africa through Europe to the UK. Some of those arrested were charged and jailed. Some were just deported. Kingsley Ojo was identified as a ringleader. There were dozens of evidence bags filled from the raids in London with a lot of seemingly juju-related items, including calibre beans, traces of which had been found in Adam's intestine. The bean came from the calibre region of West Africa and had been traditionally used in witchcraft practices to distinguish the innocent from the guilty. The victim was fed a potion containing the bean. If they vomited up, they were guilty. If they died, they were innocent. Half a ripe bean was sufficient to kill an adult. In small doses, the bean would paralyse the victim, but the victim would still be conscious and feel pain. There was also the taru seeds found in Adam. The taru is a, a sedative, which can also cause hallucinations. It's a common plant and grows worldwide, known as the devil's weed. It was becoming clearer the fate that befell Adam. It was possible that he was purchased for about $25, the going rate at that time for a young child in Benin City. Then he was probably put on a plane to London, and to Germany, and then made his way to London. Adam would have been starved and the subject to rituals and made to eat a potion before being killed, and then mutilated. He was sacrificed to bring good luck, good luck to somebody else, possibly the trafficking organisation. The process of extraditing Sam Onachiovi to Germany to serve his sentence was a very slow process, with his lawyers fighting every move. Kingsley Ojo was in custody awaiting his trial, for which he was eventually sentenced to four and a half years imprisonment, and afterwards to be deported back to Nigeria. The investigation into the murder of Adam slowed right down again. Three years earlier, in February 2000, there was the well-known case of Victoria Columbia that dominated the news in the UK. The Columbia case changed how child production pol uh, policies worked in the UK in an attempt to make sure that it would not happen again. People were horrified that such a crime could happen in the UK. A universal church of the United Kingdom of God preacher had persuaded Victoria's mother and aunt that Victoria was possessed by the devil and this led to her murder. This church was more of a criminal cult and has since been outlawed. There was a witch hunt to find scapegoats and a public inquiry which said there was a coded message in the child protection to ethnic minorities who received poor service under the guise of superficial sensitivity. In short, Victoria died because those that should have protected her did not want to appear racist when questioning her guardians. The 24th of November 2003, a child was found sitting on the steps of an apartment block in Hackney, East London. 
She was sitting in the London drizzle, cold and hungry. It was noticed that her eyes were inflamed and red. She was taken to a nearby school where the head teacher called in social workers and doctors to examine her. The child was called Child B. It turned out that the child was an eight-year-old war orphan from Angola, a war-torn country in the Congo Basin, brought to London by her aunt who claimed to be her mother. The family was staying in a tiny apartment at the Woodbury Estate, I beg your pardon, Woodbury Down Estate in Hackney. All three adults were claiming asylum. The aunt, who can't be named to protect Jar B, Sita Kisanga, aged 35, and her brother Sebastian, half-brother, Sebastian Pinto, aged 33. They are all members of the fundamentalist Christian church known as Combat Spiritual, founded in Kinshasa, but with a branch in Dalston, Hackney, and popular with the Congolese community. In the Congo, in the Congo Basin region of Africa, Kindoki is widely accepted. Kindoki is a catch-all phrase for possession by evil spirits caused by a multitude of minor problems, such as minor illness or low spirits. It's usually dealt with by a traditional healer who will prescribe herbal medicines after visiting to a patient's problems. Kindoki is a low-level witchcraft practiced on a wide, wide scale. Almost all of the estimated 20,000 Congolese in the UK arrived as asylum seekers and refugees. And the popular churches are part of a network that provides support to them in their adopted country. However, there are concerns that some of these churches masquerade as Christianity and prey on the most alienated and isolated members of society. In particular, they encourage their belief in Kinduki. Increasingly, since the 1990s, there's been a large increase of Pentecostal worship by the Congolese community, both in Africa and in western cities such as London. Peckham, south of the River Thames, is where many Congolese settle in London. Revivalist churches have begun to organise ex exorcisms for children thought to be affected by Kindoki. These exorcisms are called deliverance in African circles. The practice seems to be accepted as normal by the Congolese community in London. There are videos on YouTube, for example, a video of two modern young women of Congolese origin discussing the practice of Kindoki, saying that everybody believes in it. It's the same as Harry Potter. In a BBC News uh, night interview, a pastor, Modiste Mulula, says witchcraft is real and people can be possessed by evil spirits. Those interested in the subject argue that extreme Pentecostal worship and religious fervour by accepting the truth of the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels, mixed with a belief in the traditional African ideas about sorcery and witchcraft, have led to families of Congolese origin to harm their children if they think they are possessed by a witch. These children are beaten in order to admit they are a witch. Witchcraft is thought to be the source of all bad luck and ill fortune. Those who believe in Kinduki believe that they need to inflict physical pain to make the body uncomfortable for the devil or spirit inside it. People are less likely to believe their own children are possessed, but they will more readily abuse children whom they have informally adopted or for whom they act as guardians. These breakaway churches have services which are usually exuberant and energetic. The congregation do not meet in traditional church buildings, 
Instead, they come together in a garage or someone's home or a deserted building. During these services, deliverances or exorcisms are performed. Typically, a deliverance will see a pastor tell a child's guardians or parents that an infected piece of bread has been eaten and caused possession. The child will be deprived of food and liquid for three days before the deliverance begins. The child may be put in a cage so they can't pass the spirit on to other children. Sometimes a child will be shaken. Sometimes chilli peppers will be rubbed into the eyes. Sometimes there are beatings. At the end, the child will vomit or suffer diarrhoea, and that's taken as a sign that the spirit is exiting. Exorcisms of Kindoki often involve water, and where water is used to wash away the evil spirits. If somebody is branded as a witch, the violence can escalate quite quickly. They're no longer seen as a child, but someone that can inflict harm on others. One minute the child is a loved child, then someone in the community can blame the child for misfortune and say the child is a witch, possessed by evil spirits. The parent will no longer see that child as theirs, but more of an evil spirit that needs to be released. Common problems experienced by children, such as autism, epilepsy, dyslexia, or even simple naughtiness, can trigger, can trigger accusations of witchcraft. It seems that the number of cases involving children of African descent being thought as witches in London has increased dramatically in the past few years. Figures from cases investigated by the police increased from four cases in 2011-2012 to 37 cases in 2015-16. It has been stated that the police do not record cases as having a witchcraft element in their statistics, so this number is likely to be a large underestimate. Possibly related to this is the fact that many Metropolitan Police officers are worried that they have not been able to trace 300 African boys who have dis disappeared from London school registers. Some of these are thought to have been sent back to Africa for deliverance. Going back to the case of child B, her aunt had an IQ that put her in the bottom 1% of the population and was gullible and easily led. She claimed asylum in the UK on, on August the 5th, 2002, listing child B as her daughter. In October of that year, the aunt was refused asylum by the Home Office because it was ruled that she had insufficient grounds to fear persecution. She appealed against the decision, but was again refused in August 2003. It was thought, because the aunt was refused asylum, she thought the child's, it was the child's fault, as she was infected with kinduku, kindoki. Investigators do not think that Combat Spiritual Church encouraged any action against child B, but several churches in the area, serving those originally from the Congo Basin area of West Africa, practice ex exorcisms and accuse children of being possessed in London. In such communities, the word of the pastor is like the word of God, and if the pastor says the child is a witch, God told me, then he's believed. Consider this radio clip from a Radio 5 Investigates programme. Using her that she's a witch, she's the one that bringing bad luck, that she shouldn't transfer her witchcraft to their own children. I was so emotional to see 
any young child maltreated like that. It was really, really hard for me to take. And the most difficult part of it, this thing happened a few years ago and school was involved. You say that these accusations had been reported to the school that she attended. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it has reported a few years ago. And what and did the, the school do? They found social service and they took the girl to her house, inside the house. Asked the girl, what do you want? She can't speak to anybody. She doesn't know her rights. She turned around and said to the social service, she doesn't need anything. Because she knew if she told them what is going on, maybe when they left, that would be the end of her life. When she came to me, she stayed with me for three months. The very first day she came to my house, we went to, to speak to the social service in the office there. They couldn't help me. I was crying on phone. I was worried and said, how can you do something like this? This girl has been in you people's hands. She didn't get any help. The gentleman says to me, they can't do anything and we should go to the police. What did the police do? I was so disappointed, to be honest, because uh, within that week, they keep asking more questions, and the girl keep writing her stories, what has happened to her, and telling them exactly what happened, and people that knew within their church what was going on. She gave them, she gave the police their names and their addresses. After two weeks or three weeks, they said they couldn't find anybody to to testify. Even the lady that told me about this young girl, she denied it. It needs to stop. All these churches, nobody go and see what is going on inside the church. We need to stop it. We live in the Western country. It's not supposed to happen in this country. But I guarantee you as we are talking, things like that is happening now, me and you are talking. But they look at it that, oh, we, we don't know what to do. This is our first time to, to handle this kind of case. Every child deserves a chance in life. Social service should have do something. Both social service and police. says belief in children being witches or subject to diabolical possession is widespread. Preachers preach about Satan to bring pressure on people to cling to their faith. Pastors stoke up fear of the devil to hold on to their congregation. There have been stories of African preachers sacrificing children in secret church ceremonies in the UK. This is what may have happened to Adam. After cases including that of Victoria Columbia and Child B, there are concerns about a new form of child abuse centred on African healing customs dealing with possession and witchcraft. Searches on the internet demonstrate the demand for exorcisms in other religious services in Britain. One self-declared deliverance ministry offers services in person over Skype that claim to cleanse demons and evil spirits. It's not known what their charges are for providing such a service. Its website blames the supernatural for everything from depression to sexual abuse, marriage breakdown, financial issues, health problems, and it prescribes exorcism with inner healing. The Voice, a weekly newspaper for those of African origin in the UK, has page after page of adverts devoted to the practice of deliverance. Another advert claims that Kinduki 
is something that you have to be scared of because in our culture, Gondoki can kill you. It can destroy your life completely. It can make you barren. Sometimes, Gondoki can ruin your chances of staying in this country. In 2004, the Department for Education and Skills, the DFES, which is responsible for child protection policies, investigated allegations of witchcraft and child abuse and then sat on the report for some time, eventually releasing it in 2006. Congolese church leaders were asking for it to be published in order to get the story out in the open and name the guilty parties. The report was something of a whitewash, saying that the number of cases of child abuse linked to accusations of possession and witchcraft are small compared to the total number of children known to be abused each year. The report says that there were difficulties in identifying cases. The difficulties include lack of awareness, concerns about confidentiality, reluctance to share information and poor record-keeping. However, it did say that 47 children were abused and in all cases the family said the child was a witch. The report said belief in possession by evil spirits and witchcraft is widespread in the communities involved. But the report says that the belief in witches is not confined to particular countries, cultures or religions nor is it confined to recent migrants. However, it then gives the backgrounds of the cases which are all of African origin, especially the Congo Basin. The only exceptions were one white British case and a few from South Asia. The report continues there are various social reasons which make a child more vulnerable to accusations of possession or witchcraft. These include family stress, a change in the family structure, disability, a child with a difference, and a weak bond of affection between the carer and the child, or in other words, a perceived bad luck. Epilepsy and mental health issues are also considered by the report. The report also suggests that the police and social workers are not able to change the beliefs of carers, and schools and non-governmental organisations such as charities are thought to be the best place to uh, advise and prevent abuse. The report did not give any recommendations other than best practice advice. So all in all, a rather weak response. A case history may further illustrate the point. A survivor of belief-related abuse, Gavani Kanda, from Haringey, London, came from the Democratic Republic of Congo when she was four. Gavani was branded a witch by a family member when she was age six, after she started bedwetting and sleepwalking. Over the next five years, she was beaten regularly, made to kneel on bottle-top lids and given homemade pessaries containing pepper and ginger to rid her of spirits. Children who have gone through this don't see it as abuse, Kanda said. They believe it's normal. If your mother tells you every day you're ugly, you're ugly. I believed I was a witch. While there was no church involvement in her case, Kanda believes that much of this kind of abuse stems from rogue pastors preaching nonsense. Gavani says, It's underreported because no victim is going to say it's abuse. They think it's normal. No one's going to come forward from the community. People don't want to speak out, and pastors are very powerful within the community. Christy Bamu arrived with his four siblings in London on the 16th of December 2010. His parents were originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo. They were living in Paris and they'd sent the children to stay with their elder sister, 
Magali Bamu and her boyfriend, Eric Bakubi, who were both British citizens and lived in Newham, East London. The parents regularly travelled to Britain and the whole family worshipped in a revivalist church in North London. During the autumn of 2010, the parents had become concerned that at least one of their children had become possessed by Kindoki. What triggered this concern was not made clear, but the parents had been suffering bad luck and the father had been describing bad voodoo dreams. Between the 19th and 24th of December 2010, all the children underwent sustained and systematic torture. <laughs> they were beaten and made to stand in line for days without food or water. When the eldest son wet himself in terror, Eric and Magali focused on him as being the most likely source of Kindoki. His teeth and nails were pulled out, his fingers were smashed with a hammer. He was forced to drink the urine of his siblings. On Christmas Eve, Kirsty was put in a bath and his siblings were forced to sit on top of him while he drowned. Christy was in so much pain that he was begging to be allowed to die. After this, Eric and Magali sprinkled bath water over the other children in a purification ritual, then phoned an ambulance. Eric Bakubi and Magali Bamu appeared at the Old Bailey and were later convicted of murder and sentenced to life. It was thought that Bakubi was influenced by videos on the internet. Community leaders have commented that the widespread belief in Kindoki could even lead those who believed in the evil spirits to support the actions of Bikubi and Bamu. One spokesman saying, There are people within the community who will say that the pair did the right thing. They killed a witch. There was the other case of Nusaiba Baruchi, who was murdered on the 16th of December 2010. The child's heart was removed by the mother. The case never went to court because the mother was sectioned after allegedly being found by the corpse, rocking backwards and forth, chanting and listening to Quranic verses on her MP3 player. She claimed that her daughter was possessed. While these cases make the media, and many do not, each case has sparked cause for action. But attention has quickly faded and activists are battling to raise awareness among social services, teachers, police and other authorities. There are a number of organisations that are involved in the prevention of abuse of children, from Operation Varnet, launched by the Metropolitan Police in 2005, <clears throat> in response to concerns of faith-based ritual abuse. Operation Varnet is a team of three dedicated officers, working with communities, schools, religious leaders and the medical profession to raise awareness. But it's been criticised for not engaging enough with faith groups and not being properly funded. There are pressure groups, such as the Child Abuse Linked to Faith or Belief, the CALFB. They're concerned with helping with the following as described in their own words. 1. Witchcraft and spirit possession, demons or the devil acting through children or leading them astray traditionally as seen in some Christian beliefs. 2. The evil eye, or jinn, traditionally known in some Islamic faith contexts. 3. Dakini, in the Hindu context. 4. Ritual or muti murders, where the killing of children is believed to bring supernatural benefits, or the use of their body parts is believed to produce potent magical remedies. 5. 
the use of magic the use of belief in magic or witchcraft to create fear in children to make them more compliant when they're being trafficked for domestic slavery or sexual exploitation. Studies have indicated that there are 1,460 potential cases investigated in 2016 to 2017. Experts believe that this children need census, which came up with a figure, is a massive underestimate. The study published in 2016 by the London School of Economics showed the London boroughs had 240 black majority churches, making it the area with the greatest concentration of African Christianity in the world outside of Africa. There has been a rapid growth in African churches in the UK. 670 Pentecostal churches opened between 2005 and 2010 taking the total to almost 4,000. The figure is expected to rise to 4,600 by 2015. Richard Hoskins argues that this isn't just a momentary overspill of misguided religious fundamentalism, but something worryingly beginning to flourish beneath the ignorance and superficiality of pan-European multicultural agendas. Children are being trafficked and used for benefit fraud sold into sex slavery and subjected to physical and mental abuse. Porous national borders, splintered churches, broken family ties and a fundamental lack of understanding and communication among the relevant authorities have created a perfect storm for those indulging in child abuse. Hoskins asked to consider the actions of the French police who refuse to pursue allegations that include child rape, trafficking and sex slavery. In immigrant communities throughout Europe, it's increasingly common for young girls of 12 or 13 to be assigned domestic duties, usually when the mother is pregnant. These are known as managere. This includes various forms of sexual servitude. French social services claim never to have heard of allegations of witchcraft amongst its immigrant communities. Despite the widespread belief in kindoki in the Congolese culture, the torture or murder of children would never be condoned, and 99% of Congolese would be appalled at the cases considered here. The Congolese government have made it illegal to accuse a child of witchcraft. However, it's been suggested that fundamental Christianity has blended with the traditional beliefs of African cultures to create a monstrous mix. In the minds of some pastors and church leaders, Kanduki is no longer an outside force that could be controlled by witch doctors... <coughs> as they'd done for thousands of years, but was now seen as a power that possessed people, particularly children, and could only be prevented by exorcism or deliverance by pastors of fundamentalist churches for a fee. A social worker with more than 30 years' experience with London communities said that many cases were going under the radar and blamed rogue pastors for the spread of branding and ritualised abuse. It's spreading like bushfire, because it's a source of income. If you can charge £500 for an oil that's going to cure a child of evil spirits, you're going to make money. Pastors can be very powerful people. Access to the internet and satellite channels mean that the influence of pastors based in countries such as Nigeria, Angola and the Democratic Republic of Congo was increasingly persuasive. A leading theologian brought up in the Pentecostal tradition, Dr Robert Beckford, has a somewhat different view, arguing that some of the coverage or concerns of witchcraft 
in the fundamental African church movements reminds him of racist 19th century anthropological literature. He argues that West Africans are not the only people who believe in demonic possession or the existence of evil spirits. The Anglican Church believes in these things too, and so does Evangelical Alliance. The attitude seems to be that if the people supporting the beliefs have PhDs, then they are sensible, but if they're working-class people from Africa, they must be mad. So the debate continues over what action can be taken over Kinduki beliefs and related child abuse. Many argue that it's not possible to arrest our way out of the issue, which can be linked to other concerns, including honour-based violence and female genital mutilation. There is concern and lack of agreement over the best way to deal with such problems. The investigation into the murder of Adam petered out despite the police's best efforts. The chief suspect was Kingsley Ojo, who headed a substantial network that is thought to have smuggled in hundreds of children and adults to work as prostitutes or domestic slaves. Southwark Crown Court heard that Ojo came to the UK in 1997, posing as an asylum seeker, and was granted to leave to remain. But he was forbidden to travel abroad. But when he discovered his girlfriend, a Barbara Bourne, had lost a newborn son a few years previously, he used the dead boy's birth certificate to obtain a driving licence and passport, allowing him the ability to travel wherever he wanted. He then brought in illegal immigrants on cheap flights from Naples, Police think these smuggled in may have paid up to £20,000 each for a new life in Britain. Ojo was given early release in 2007 and said he would assist the British police to prevent illegal immigration, but he just slipped back to Nigeria. Joyce, who had close links with Adam, claimed to have told officers that she handed Adam over to Ojo. Although the police say there's no evidence that Kingsley Ojo was involved in the murder or that he knew what happened to the boy... When Ojo was released in 2002 by officers investigating the Adam case, in his flat they'd found a plastic bag, a mixture of bone and sand, very similar to the concoction found in the dead boy's stomach. There's a good deal of circumstantial evidence against Ojo, and a witness statement from Joyce. However, Ojo denied all knowledge. Joyce proved a poor witness in the past and suffered psychiatric problems, and circumstantial evidence does not stand up by itself. Case studies about Adams sometimes refer to him as, as Patrick Uhaba, as this was the name given by Joyce as Adams' real name, although we can't be sure. Modern Europe and London, are particular, in, London in particular is a cultural melt, melting pot today. This makes Europe attractive to different groups and people arrive in increasing numbers, both illegal and legally. With globalisation, people travel all around the world now and they take these very strongly held beliefs with them. London's local government would be extremely wary about offending a child's or a family's cultural sensitivities. This is sometimes called politically correct behaviour, which turns a blind eye to some practices that could be seen as child abuse. Some people have argued, ever since the time of Victoria Columbia, 19 years ago, that political correctness is seemingly put above concerns for the welfare of a child. These people argue that other children will follow Victoria, Adam and Christie into paying the ultimate price. The overwhelming majority of immigrants in the UK want to be part of an integrated community and be treated equally, and this would be the best way to protect children, to gain the confidence and support of communities and isolate those who would harm children, 
such as Kingsley Ojo, Eric Bakubi, Magalay Bamu, and the like. Well, thank you for listening to that story today. Um, I'd like to thank Damselfly for providing the background music, and we'll say goodbye until next time. Thank you. Thank you.